Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Hillhead in the Grosvenor Suite. Um, first of all, congratulations on finding your way in, and uh, I hope that you will enjoy the service just as much here as in our usual place. Um, Joan was suggesting that I should point out to you that there are two exits um, from this area. Um, there's the way that you came in, but also the doors behind you there are the doors to where the nearest toilets are, and also the doors to where our tea and coffee will be served at the end of the service. So very important. So at the end, instead of going straight out the way you came in, if you go out those doors, tea and coffee will be waiting and there are toilets there. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina. This is an all-age service and there will be activities for the children you'll see at the back of the room. Uh, we will also celebrate communion together and as always, uh, you are all invited to take part. Anyone who's trying to follow Jesus is welcome to take part. But if for any reason you would rather not, please just pass the bread and wine on to the next person along the aisle. Thank you. Do come towards the front. If you, if you need to bring up more chairs, that's fine. There are um, some spaces, so I know nobody likes to fill up the front row, do they? Can I wish you all a happy new year? It's the first opportunity we've had to be together since the calendar changed. And our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 147. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing our praises to God. For he is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Today, as I'm sure you know, is Epiphany, the day when we remember the revelation of Christ to the Gentiles, to the people who were not Jewish, to the arrival of the visitors from the East. And so our opening hymn, As with gladness, men of old, did the guiding star behold. And if you're able to stand as we sing, that would be great.
opening prayer this morning is adapted from a prayer provided by an organisation called World News in Prayer. Every week they send out an email with a fairly long uh, prayer, which is largely intercessory but also includes some praise. So I'm going to use that as the basis for our prayers this morning. And of course, as is our custom and practice, we will then join together in the Lord's Prayer in our own first languages and preferred versions. So let's pray together. Heavenly God, how can we ever thank you? How can we thank you for another year of life, another year of blessings, another year of your presence in our lives, whether we choose to hold on to you or not? Here we are, Lord, at the beginning of a new year of life, remembering the past year and thinking ahead to the next. Whilst there is so much to consider, worry and look forward to in the next year, there is still so much to remember from the last. Help us, God, to give thanks for the good and send us comfort for all things that have brought hurt, distress and sadness in the last. While it may seem that this year will be the same as the last, help us to cling to you and have the courage to share your hope and divine love with everyone we meet as we reimagine our lives as not only our own, but as your blessed children. For this and for your hope, we give you thanks. May you continually nurture our voices that we might share your love with all. Hear these words and all our prayers as we join together in the words Jesus taught his followers, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.
going to start by showing you a few pictures, which I hope you will find at least vaguely amusing. Anybody who attended the Christmas Day service will know that I showed a few pictures and tried to tell a few jokes, and it was all rather embarrassing, because people told me afterwards they liked them and they were funny, but they didn't laugh. Anyway, let's see how we go. You all know I'm rubbish at telling jokes, so I thought I'd just use some pictures instead. What I said was, I'll make the frankincense, you get the myrrh made. Everybody get that one? Yeah? One that's perhaps a little bit more familiar. Wait a minute. What the heck is frankincense? Yeah, this one has brought Frankenstein's monster. And then there's this one. This is a bit kind of the, uh, the feminist one. Three wise women would have asked directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, brought practical gifts, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and there would have been peace on earth. So who were they, these mysterious visitors who came from the east? What names do we use for them, and what do they mean? Can anybody tell me one of the ways we describe these visitors who came to see Jesus from the east? Sorry, I'm not on. Uh, yes, the kings, sorry, I wasn't on, yes, sorry. The three kings, yep, it's one way of, of describing them, thank you. So what we think they were kings, perhaps, because these are national rulers, people of wealth and status, who have come to visit the newborn king. Thanks, Ken. What else, how else do we describe them ever? Wise. Wise, yep, wise people, wise men. We don't actually know how many of them there were. Any other names we use for them? Magi, 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 whatever. Yeah. The ones that came probably from Persia and may well have been Zoroastrian priests. In Zoroastrianism, there apparently is, is a, a prophecy that speaks of a child being born who is divine. So it's quite plausible that these were Zoroastrian priests from Persia. So that's modern-day Iran, certainly people from the east. Uh, they may have been magicians or conjurers. They could have been astronomers, people who studied the stars. Or they could have been astrologers, people who thought the stars helped to tell the future. They were probably a bit of all of those things. And I think the, the wise ones is perhaps the best way to describe them. Whatever it is that they were, whether they were kings or magicians or priests or magi, magi, magis, whatever, they were people seeking for truth. They wanted to understand what was going on. They were people who were willing to go and learn from a different culture than their own, to go to an unfamiliar place and to take risks without knowing whether actually they would find what they were looking for, never mind come home safely. And part of that is what we're going to be playing with this morning as we reflect together. But first, there is only one day in the year, really, that you can sing this carol. And I believe we have solos of the, the three kings, is that right, Paul? 
quiet, quiet, quiry bits anyway for the, for the three kings. Um, but we'll have a good go at this one. We three kings of Orient are. <coughs> people and after that there will be some reflective music and during that music um, anybody of any age who feels they would like to go and be creative feel free to move to the back we have things mostly aimed at younger people but there are things you might want to do if you're young at heart as well thanks
reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. One day, Taz, a professor of astrophysics, received an email from a scientist at the International Astronomy Agency. And to that email was attached an astonishing image. Awestruck, 
he sat gazing at it for several minutes, absorbing the beauty and mystery of this phenomenon. And as he did so, his curiosity was stirred. He began to wonder, not just about the underlying physics, he could do that easily enough, but about its significance. Not having the language or the ideas to explore this question, he forwarded the image to his friend Kaz, a philosophy professor. Kaz was sitting at her desk pondering various ontological conundrums, or in everyday language, the meaning of life, the universe and everything, when a ping alerted her to a new email. Distracted, she clicked on the attachment and the screen of her tablet filled with a glittering, glistening swirl of light and colour. Tears rolled unbidden down her cheeks and her heart swelled with joy for here, just in a photograph, she glimpsed something beyond any concept she had ever studied. Wiping her eyes, she read the message. What does this mean? All at once, she knew exactly what it meant and had no clue, no language to express the wonder and the allure it held for her. A flurry of emails followed in which they agreed that there was not much point approaching the Research Council for a study grant but that they did need to find out more about this curious phenomenon, and soon. News spread like wildfire that two senior academics had announced their intention to take indefinite unpaid leave and to follow a star, for goodness sake. Some laughed derisively. Some saw an unexpected career opportunity, a chance to step up into a role that they had long coveted. Some envied their courage. A few even asked if they could join them. There was Mel, a self-styled New Age mystic, constantly looking for meaning and eager to be part of the latest new thing. It was Frank, a merchant banker, who suggested they invested their money in gold, while Sophie, an aromatherapist, was equally adamant that they needed to take with them some nice perfume oils to soothe their tired bodies after long days of trekking. Finally, they set off on what others told them was a fool's errand. And at times they wondered if it was indeed a fool's errand. Their employment contracts were cancelled. Contact with family and friends dwindled. And sometimes there seemed to be a breakthrough only for disappointment to follow straight away. And then it happened. One day, years later, their resources, material, intellectual, emotional and spiritual were almost spent and they found what it was they had been seeking. In a humble dwelling place, a toddler played at his mother's feet, 
whilst his father worked in an adjacent building. Gazing into the child's eyes, they glimpsed eternity. And actually, beyond eternity, to the time before time began. In him, it seemed, lay the answers to all their questions. But in that moment, a new question was born. What now? I wonder what star might cause us to give up everything we have worked hard to achieve, to risk ridicule or rejection by those we love as we set off to follow it. I wonder if there are questions that we have that can only find their answer when we risk everything to follow a star that might lead us to somewhere we would never have imagined. I wonder if having followed a star, if having encountered Christ in the face of a child, we will follow him. We will return home by a different route and share what we have discovered to a weary and broken world. We sing again from the Eastern Mountains.
Our second reading comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. The unnamed Eastern mystics of Matthew's Gospel returned home by a different route to avoid the court of King Herod because their encounter with the infant Jesus or toddler Jesus had so transformed their worldview that they had heard God's voice quite clearly saying to them, go another way. And so they did. And we hear no more about them. They simply disappear from the story. Whether they were star-led chieftains or kings or wise men or magi, magicians or whatever they actually were, they just disappear. But it does seem reasonable to deduce that this encounter shaped the rest of their lives. I told you a made-up story a few minutes ago. But what might have been the long-term implications for these highly educated people, the astrophysicist, who suddenly discovered meaning in a swirling mass of gas where before he'd only seen equations? Or what about the philosopher who found all that theory grounded in a little grubby boy playing in the dust? Or what about the New Age seeker affected by an incarnate deity? Or a wealthy banker who suddenly discovers the reality of peasant life and poverty? Or even the aromatherapist who really discovers what it means to be achy and sore and grubby? And what about us? What difference might it make for us, not just today, but tomorrow, and tomorrow's tomorrow, and tomorrow's tomorrow's tomorrow, that our metaphorical journey has led us to follow a star, and we encountered the Christ child. I think probably it's in the words of the Apostle Paul that we begin to get a hint of an answer. Those who know that book of the Philippians uh, well will recall that just before the passage that we had read for us, there is that beautiful hymn to Jesus who, in the words of the great Wesley hymn, emptied himself of all but grace and bled for Adam's helpless race. This God who could have stayed outside it all 
chose to give it all up and enter our world as a peasant child growing up in a back street. If this is the one in whom we believe, and if this is the one above whose dwelling the star hung, and in whose face we glimpse the answer to those questions about life, the universe, and everything, then we find ourselves transformed too. Shine like stars in the world, or shine like lights in the world. You always have to check your translations, don't you? Hook a, hook a sermon on a phrase and you can guarantee it won't be the one that gets read. Never mind. Shine like stars in the world. Shine like stars in the universe. Depends which biblical translation you, you use. But whether it's lights or stars or whether it's in the world or the universe, there is this message that it should make a difference to us. Perhaps what it says actually is something like this. As the stars shine in the universe, so you should shine in the world. A call on our time, a call on our talents, a call on our intellect, a call on our wealth, a call on our energy. That is almost irresistible. And if you're a Calvinist, it is irresistible. But hey, I'm not a Calvinist. But here is a call not to condemn the world in its darkness, but to transform the world by bringing light. The light of hope. The light of mercy. The light of grace. The light of new beginnings and second chances and third chances and 70 times 70 chances. It's not a call to criticise or condemn. It's a call to draw out from others and each other those inner questions so that we can journey together towards the one in whom the answers may be found. In the last few weeks, let's leading up to Christmas, we journeyed through history we met mostly women, but also some men whose stories are just as important to us now as they were in ancient times. People who are in the story leading up to the birth of Jesus. We've sung carols that we love. We've told the story. Again, the children told it for us so beautifully just a few weeks ago. And now we've got to the end of it. And so we pack away the decorations. After today, we will not have our red rank crown at Reef until the end of the year. As we take everything down, as we pack away whatever goes on the top of your tree, whether it's an angel or a star or a robin or who knows what, we walk on into a new adventure called 2019. And on that journey, whether we like it, sorry, sorry, whether we see it or not, not whether we like it or not, whether we see it or not, the light of Christ leads us on and in the darkest moments and, and there will be dark moments no year is completely devoid of them that light glimpsed in each other and carried for each other will help us each of us and those we meet to begin that journey or to continue that journey home to the love of God which knows no end
We're going to sing now one of my favourite carols. I learnt this when I was at school, I think, which is quite scary. So it must have been pretty new um, if I learned it all those donkeys years ago. Some people find it a bit of a strange one. I think it's incredibly beautiful. Every star shall sing a carol. When you came in, um, hopefully you found a star on your chair. I'm conscious a few people won't have stars because they're on the chairs right at the back or they came in afterwards. So if you'd like to take stars and pens, that would be 
goods. Margaret, let me give you three. Has everybody got a star? Yeah, I'm just going to pinch a pen. We'll give them mine away. New Year is a time that a lot of people make resolutions. Things they're going to do differently this year. They're going to lose weight, they're going to get fit, they're going to run a marathon, they're going to complete that PhD, whatever it is. The reality is by the end of January, most of them have been forgotten. And you feel bad because you didn't do that thing you said you were going to do. So we're going to do something a little bit different from that. I'm going to tell you a nursery rhyme. And then I'm going to invite you to write down for yourself on your star three wishes. But, there's always a catch, isn't there? I will guide you as to what those three wishes are. So the nursery rhyme. Starlight, star bright. First star I see tonight. I wish I may. I wish I might. Have this wish. I wish tonight. If we are following the star that leads to Jesus, and if we are called to shine like stars in the world, then maybe it's okay to make a wish upon a star. So the first thing I want you to do, first wish, is something you will do or you hope to do this year to be kind to yourself. Now, I've written this one, got this one in first because I'm not very good at that one. And I suspect I'm not alone. So what I would like you to do is to write um, something along the lines of, I promise to take time to relax. I promise to read books. I promise to sleep in on Saturdays. Something that is kind to you. You might have to write small because you've got to get three on there. The second one is a, a wish not to do something, a promise not to do something. All of us do things that are unkind to ourselves, I suspect. Maybe we put ourselves down. Maybe we don't allow ourselves to celebrate what we do that's good. Maybe we compare ourselves to other people and go, they're so much better than me, I'm just worthless. Maybe we overwork, maybe we guilt trip. So what I would like you to do is to write down something along the lines of, I promise not to. And then the third one, the third wish, because all good fairy stories have three wishes, so I think that's why you can't have them in church. I want you to think how you can shine. What is it you can do that is bright and shiny and will bring hope and encouragement to others? It might be that you're, you could smile at people. It might be you could say hello to strangers. It might be that you could 
look for ways to encourage people. Might be that you could, I don't know, grow flowers and give them to people, whatever. Some way that you can shine. It could be at work, it could be at home, it could be wherever. Just something along the lines of, I will shine by. Now, you don't have to show that to anybody. I would just like you, for a moment, when you've finished writing your third wish, just to hold it in one or both hands. And then, as a kind of pledge to ourselves, I'm going to say the nursery rhyme again. Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might, have these wishes that I wish today. Another nursery rhyme. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. When the blazing sun is gone, when it nothing shines upon, then you show your little light, twinkle, twinkle, all the night. When the traveller in the dark thanks you for your tiny spark, they could not see the way to go if you did not twinkle so. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. For our prayers this morning, we're going to have an opportunity, if you would like to, at various points, to come forward and light a candle. Uh, the candles are set in sand. We have got tapers to light them from the large Christ candle. Um, if you do come and light a candle, you're then invited to take a star home with you to remember that prayer that you've made, to carry that prayer with you. Um, there aren't enough for you to have lots each, so don't be greedy. So I'm going to do some spoken prayers, and then there'll be gaps when you can... <laughs> light candles and if you want to name a situation or a person out loud you can do if you prefer to do that silently that's fine as well
So let's pray together. We begin in our prayers, close to home, loving God. And from our prayer diary, we remember especially Walter and Jean, loyal members of our church over many, many years, whose dedicated service we continue to value, asking you to watch over them and their family, keeping them all well, safe and content. We also pray for Paul and Rico, grateful for Paul's quiet diligence operating the PA system and recording for services. For Ailey, who is blossoming as an intelligent and thoughtful young woman. And for Leo, studying hard at university, sharing his musical gifts with our congregation. And so we pray for our own families and friends, remembering those whose lives on earth have ended and those who continue to journey on. And so if you wish to, you can come forward and light a candle. We remember today Jim, Sheila, Gordon and Andrew as they mourn the death of Aileen. And we remember the family of Ailey Benson, a member of Friday Friendship, who died on Christmas Day. We move out to think of our nation and of the Baptist Union of Scotland entering its 150th anniversary year. We give thanks for its work of sharing the good news and entrust its future to God's leading. Especially, we remember congregations of Abbey Hill Baptist Church, Aberdeen Christian Fellowship, Aberfeldy Community Church, Adelaide Place Baptist Church, and Airdrie Baptist Church. We remember before God all who seek the good of others in our land, asking God to prosper their work. We pray for our city, for the nation of Scotland, and for the United Kingdom, inviting you, if you so wish, to come and light a candle. We think globally and pray for the work of BMS World Mission, asking God's blessing and wisdom for those entrusted with the leadership of this great organisation. And at their request, we remember other mission agencies known to us, including Glasgow City Mission, Leprosy Mission. We remember before God all who work for justice, peace and transformation, wherever they may be, asking that their work would flourish and grow. And we pray for the whole world, naming before God people and places on our hearts and minds. If we wish, we may light a candle. A 
as these lights express our prayer intentions, may they also inspire in us the courage to play our part in bringing them to life and assure us that even in the darkest moments, you are with us, Christ, light of the world. Amen.
shepherds, visited by an angel, said, Come, let us go. Magi saw a star that seemed to say, Come. So they went. Each discovered the Christ of God, come from beyond time and space. And each was sent on their way, transformed by what they had seen. So we respond to the same invitation to come, to draw near to the mystery of the God child, to share in the symbolism of bread and wine, and to be sent out to be and to speak good news. I wonder if they looked up at the star that night as they made their way through the quiet streets to the secret rendezvous where a meal would await them. I wonder if they saw stars and if they did, whether perhaps one shone a little bit more brightly attracting their attention and guiding their footsteps. I wonder what thoughts ran through their heads as they climbed the stairway onto the roof and into the upper room. I wonder if their eyes blinked in the flickering light after the darkness of night. Did the light illuminate Jesus' face as he picked up the bread, blessed it and declared that this was his body about to be broken? Did the flames dance in their lampstands as he lifted a cup of wine and declared it to be his blood? Who hid away in the shadows? Who leaned fully into the light? Could any of them know what any of this might mean? And yet not one, not one could tear himself away. This is my body. This is my blood. When you do this, remember me. So let's pray. Jesus Christ, light of the world, you have commanded us to do this and to remember you. Spirit of God, living flame, you move among us to bring new insight and understanding. Holy God, whose first words spoke light into the chaotic darkness of nothingness. We thank you for the profound mystery of all in which we now share. Thanking you for this bread, for this wine, for its simplicity and its symbolism. Amen. So Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he shared it with those gathered with him in a borrowed room. And in this borrowed room, we share bread. And you're invited to eat as you receive in gratitude, hope and faith.
And at the end of the meal, Jesus took the cup of wine and said, this is the new covenant, the new promise made between God and humanity, between heaven and earth and the whole of creation. Whenever you drink it, remember me. And so we will, as is our custom, retain the glasses that we might drink together. Everybody who wishes one have a, a glass, please don't hold back. We can share the cup if we need to. <coughs> we are the body of Christ, and we are called by Christ to shine like stars in a world bringing hope where maybe there is none. So let us drink in remembrance. Jesus Christ, light of the world, you have commanded us to do this and to remember you. As light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it, death has been defeated, sin has been forgiven, hope has been reborn. Glory to you, O Christ, light of the world. Amen.
God of starlight, God of sunlight, you have brought us to the start of another year. So lead us on into new adventures, knowing that you accompany us every step of the way, today, tomorrow, and always, to Epiphany and beyond. Thank you.